Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Marybods. For a limited time only, we are opening up the doors to our Marybody app for free. That's right. You can gain a two-week free pass to our Marybody app. No credit card required, no strings attached, just two full weeks of unlimited access to yoga, Pilates, and meditation classes. Head to themerrymakersisters.com forward slash free pass. Welcome to episode 383 on the Get Married podcast. And of course, we are so excited to be back in your ears for a brand new episode episode and a brand new week. We are feeling extremely inspired at the moment from our uh, yoga teacher trainees and the current cohort that is in week 13 at the moment. Every week, we have a brand new theme of yoga philosophy to dive into. And last week was a theme where we had a bit of an aha moment and we realized that this one aspect of yogic philosophy can literally help us move through any kind of anxious thoughts. (laughs) Is that a big call? (laughs) But it's true. Yeah, I think it really helps you move through anxiety. Uh, And I think we have used it so often in the past. In fact, we've talked about it on an episode before but I feel like going over it again with our yoga teacher trainees was so amazing for myself and just to see you know everyone else kind of dive deeper into it and uh, you know the impacts and flow-ons it has was kind of like whoa Mm -hmm. and just this big big reminder of the fact that these are all practices these ways of living Uh, These values, these reminders, these practices are practices in that you don't just do it once and you're like, aha, look at me. I'm amazing. Life is great. It's a daily thing, a reminder that we need to to do it, to walk the walk every moment. Mm -hmm. So the aspect of yoga philosophy that we will be diving into today uh, is one of the niyamas. Now, when we look at the niyamas, these are like internal observations. So the ways that we are, we kind of are within ourselves. So how do we show up within ourselves? How do we think? How do we feel? And then of course, in turn, this then ripples out to external life. It changes the actions that we take. So we're looking at the niyamas. Now there's five niyamas when we look at uh, this aspect of yoga philosophy, but we're focusing on the last one. And the reason why we're focusing on the last one is because in the yogic text that we will be looking at today, it is said that this last piece of yogic philosophy is the zenith. This is the word that they used. It is the utmost important niyama for us to reach some form of enlightenment, some form of samadhi, some kind of bliss. So this is why we're focusing it on this one today. Now, I will read a translation from one of the texts that we are looking at within our yoga training from the Yoga Sutras. 
It's the translation by Nishala Joy Devi, and it's called The Secret Power of Yoga. Uh, So we talked about the Niyamas. Now, Nishala Joy Devi describes the Niyamas as as an evolution toward harmony. So we can, you know, look at these five internal observations, ways that we are, as this way of how do we... uh, how do we make our way toward harmony within ourselves, but also within the world around us? So this is the idea of the Niyamas. So we're looking at the last Niyama, which is called Ishvara Pranidhana in Sanskrit, Sanskrit being our yogic language that we use. And inside this same te- text, Nishala Joy Devi describes, translates Ishvara Pranidhana through as wholehearted dedication to the divine. So wholehearted dedication to the divine. What she means by this is a surrender to some higher power, a surrender to something other than ourselves. The idea that we can follow a plan, create a plan, take all of the steps that we think we need to take in order to get to the place that we would really, 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 really like to be. There's always, though, an element that we cannot control, that we actually don't know if the results are going to turn out how we planned them. Uh, So what if we knew this and what if we acted in life as if this was true because we all know it is true, but what if we actually don't let the fact that things don't turn out the way that we thought they were going to be create suffering for us? What if we worked with it instead? What if we realized that it's not – it's not – you know, kind of giving up, but it's more a giving over, as our Andrew, um, as our Andrew, as Andrew, our philosophy teacher inside the training would say. So, can we give over this control? Can we take all the steps, make sure we're doing the work, show up and try our best? But remember, there's an element of we have mm. to let go. And I mean, like this kind of links up with so many other philosophies and. Uh, and lessons that, you know, have been so valuable for us, like detachment, not being so attached to the end result, the end goals, uh, you know, that belief that if something doesn't go your way, that is just your course being redirected and corrected. So perhaps you were walking the wrong way and now you're going the right way. Uh, and I mean, it is this kind of, I mean, this way of living, I think is really helpful if you're, I mean, like we are quite positive people I would say like we like to look on the brighter things Mm. of life and and glass is half full it's just like our natural kind of disposition disposition so these things I think like they can help us for they help me personally really move through the obstacles and the hardships because I just prefer to see things in this in this light And, you know, other people could disagree and be like, no, like I like to think what's the worst scenario and like I'm going to like, you know, be stoic. Stoic. And I understand that as well and I like it and sometimes I feel like I can learn so much from that kind of ethos and philosophy. However, I really enjoy these kind of surrender and just like easing into it and relaxing and letting go of the – the fruits, you know, like like doing the work, taking the action, but at some stage you just have to let go and kind of hope for the best. Mm, exactly. <laughs> and, and know that, you know, the best will come maybe not right away but soon. <laughs> exactly. So it's like this trust in the divine yes, plan. Trust. So I'm going to read from Sutra 2.45 from this text from Nachala Joy Devi 
in uh, her translation of the sutra, it is through wholehearted dedication, we become intoxicated with the divine. And I just love that translation. Uh, through wholehearted yeah. dedication, we become intoxicated with the divine. And we'll look at another translation uh, as well. But this is how Nishala Joy Devi describes it. So for the third time in the sacred sutras, Ishvara Pranidhana is encouraging us to live with wholehearted devotion to the divine and divine creation. So when something is repeated in the sutras, we know that it's important. So it's not just mentioned once, it's already been mentioned three times and you know we're only up to 2.45. As Ahimsa, which Ahimsa, I'll give you a little bit of a background. Ahimsa is the first Yama. Yamas being our external observations. Yamas being our, um, she describes them as the Yamas being a reflection of our true nature. So Ahimsa is nonviolence. Ahimsa is love and kindness, right? So Ahimsa is the pinnacle from which all of the Yamas flow. And Ishvara Pranidhana is the zenith of the Niyamas, so the most important. And then she says this one line, which is so, so important and helps us realize the importance of Ishvara Pranidhana. Devotion is the key to unlocking our hearts. Oh, devotion is the key to unlocking our hearts. I mean, Carla spoke these words out the other night on our weekly live call that we run within the yoga teacher training. And <sighs> there's just something special about, you know, in a collective reading words out like this and coming together, especially when you're on like this kind of shared journey of something massive like a 200-hour yoga teacher training where you're really stepping outside your comfort zone and in a way you kind of do need to give over and let go and and be uber-compassionate for yourself as we're all doing inside the training. Uh, but to hear those words come out and just to feel that sense of like, oh, like I'm where I'm meant to be and everything is as it should be mm. is kind of this such beautiful feeling that I feel like, you know, like when we're feeling anxious, it's like, we're constantly on the edge, aren't we? We're constantly weary of everything falling apart. We're looking for control. And we're looking in, in control in an environment where there is no control. And, I mean, like, I understand why we all are feeling anxious, of course. Like, we're living in a time where, you know, we've, we're getting messages left, right and centre about all the terrible things that are going on in the world. Uh, so not only do we have our own sets of internal anxieties and the ones in our households that are, you know, directly impacting our families, our, our, our friends, our kids, our parents, our aunties, our uncles, and so on and so on. Uh, and then there's the, the whole set of anxieties at work and within your computer and your devices. Uh, but then it's like we feel the weight, you know, that of that heaviness of anxious energy from the world and you know I could list a whole bunch of things right here and now that we're all feeling anxious about but you know you just have to turn on the news uh and you'll you'll hear it all so no wonder we are feeling anxious and no wonder stress and anxiety is on the rise and uh, you know we talk about all these coping mechanisms like meditation and and yoga like you know actions like physical actions but even like reading uh these texts even understanding philosophies and ideas about how the world and how humans work, I think really, for me, I think this has one of the most 
you know, amazing ways to for me to deal with my anxiety. It's one of the most what's the word uh what's profound profound and what's that like where it's like it does it with like i want to say gusto but like that's the wrong word like it has the biggest impact efficiency efficiency i don't know effectiveness, effectiveness. these are all not the right words that i'm searching for but they all make sense power power maybe <laughs> they just really help me in other words long, nice long monologue long story short it, they really help us move it was powerful through, uh anxiety and, I mean, I feel like in a way mostly what they help us do is our – it's the self-suffering, you know, like that's what we're really looking at here. Like when it's our own mind creating the anxiety and the angst and the stress and the overwhelm, it's like we can come back to these uh, philosophies and they can really help us because in a way the world anxiety – it, it's very real, you know, oh, whereas yeah. like a lot of the time our the anxiety that we create is not real. No, but I'm saying also like, the yeah, the, ang- the anxiety is real, but what can I do to make direct impact on climate change right now? Yeah, there's definitely things I can do like uh, be better at all the, you know, what everyone's talking about, recycling, turn, turn your lights off. And, and these are probably like really bad ideas and like you would tell me these don't do anything. But we have that kind of heaviness of this big thing where you feel like you can't do anything but although it's real you feel helpless Mm. so is thinking about it over and over again where you're not going to take a direct action is it even worthwhile probably not probably what is a good idea is to move through the anxiety and then come to a point where it's like all right now I'm feeling less anxious and stuck I feel like I can take action now. I'm going to sign up to this community group and actually make a change, see what I can do. Uh, So I think, like, that's what these texts and what these philosophies can do. Mm. So from devotion is the key to unlocking our hearts. This is what we ended on. So when living with an open heart, we see clearly as the pathways of our lives unfold. So what this sentence is saying is that we can see the that that not only can we see but we're also accepting of the path that is unfolding right in front of us and we're stepping on the path faith allows us to trust in the present moment as we observe our part in the divine plan so what this is saying is that there's a divine plan it's already written you know as the alchemist in the book would say it's already written like the path it's your story it's already written you have to take the steps but then you also have to trust that it's unfolding in the way that it's meant to. How many times have you um, been trying to do something, thinking this is the way, and kind of hitting resistance, 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 block after block after block, and just trying to kind of push in in the opposite direction that maybe something is trying to pull you in? Have you, have you ever had a moment like that where like, no, 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 this way, not that way, this way? And what if we just learned to trust? What if we brought in the energy of yes, which was the focus of our training last week? Can we bring in the energy of yes? Not just when things are going our way, but when whatever is coming our way. Yes. Yes and yes. (laughs) We trust in the unfolding of our path. We trust that it is all as it is meant to be. Did that make sense, that sentence? Yes. It's all as it should be. It's, it's all, all as, as it should be. be. It is what it is as it is. 
Uh, okay, so then we go on to this next section of this uh, translation, which I believe is really, really important. And I have, I have like no doubts that you've been in a moment like this where you realize, oh yeah, that's right. I do only kind of ask for help when I'm at <laughs> the end of the kind of the edge of my suffering. So can we change this? Prayers can be directed. And, you know, when we use words like in our text, like prayers, it doesn't have to be prayers. But, you know, in those moments where it's like, oh, my God, like, can I, I just need like I need a sign or I need some help. Like, why is nothing going my way? Like, these are also prayers. So prayers can be directed to the divine within or to an outward presence. So this is what it's saying within us, like grant me the power, like give me the strength. Like, I need to keep going. And then also like, oh, my gosh, I wish someone would just help me through this. Much of the time we go back and forth according to the mo- the moment and the mood. Most of us summon the greatest power of prayer in difficult times. This is really, really important. So think back to a moment where it's been a difficult time for you. Is this the moment where you were like, oh my God, I just give up. Like I need help. When all other avenues have been exhausted and the enormity of the situation becomes too great to bear alone, we then pray to someone else out there as a separate person or manifestation to help us cope. We are really just summoning all of the positive energy and celestial beings that are standing by to make our lives easier in all of the ways. So we're all, we're extending and we're reaching out our arms toward the sky and we surrender in a prayer. So she goes on to say that it's preferable to cultivate faith and devotion before we're in desperate need. Like, can we practice the faith and devotion mm. before we need it? So this is why it's really important to remember that this is a practice and we don't just fall into the practice when we need it. It's a continuous practice. So learning to trust the power within, we courageously let go and we live each moment to the fullest. Mm. And then that bit again, learning to trust the power within, we courageously let go and live each moment to the fullest. So trusting that the path is unfolding, trusting not just, you know, external powers, but internal powers, trusting everything within us and everything without us, that all is exactly as it should be, that every moment that happens after moment after moment after moment is exactly how it is supposed to unfold. And so how would life be different if we lived it like that Mm. compared to, you know, a walking uphill Well, I would say like even like from the very bare minimum, what that kind of way of living helps us deal with. Like I'm just thinking like what's one of the biggest topics we talk about on this podcast, body image and what we look like. When you surrender and you accept, because surrender is acceptance as well, like how much resistance, sorry, how much suffering is released? Like you surrender to yourself. You You surrender to what your body is at this stage. And, uh, I mean, surrender, as we know, along with acceptance, isn't complacency. It's not giving up. You still have the will. You still take the effort. Uh, And it reminds me of a quote, and I'll share this one now, from a book that we really love called The Surrender Experiment by Michael A. Singer, a book that really changed our lives. And I think, you know, we probably – did we read this before – yoga before Ishvara Pranidhana. So we read this before we learned about Ishvara Pranidhana and before Carla did her very first teacher training all the way back then. Uh, So this book and this theme 
really, it's been part of our lives for a long, long time. And what this little tiny passage says, let it be clear right from the start, however, that this type of surrender does not mean living life without the assertion of will. My story of these 40 years is simply the story of what happened when the assertion of will was guided by what life was doing instead of what I wanted it to be doing. My personal experience in that aligning one's will with the natural forces unfolding around us leads to some surprisingly powerful results. Leads to some surprisingly powerful results. <laughs> Sounds like Ishvara Pranidana. Ah, so what's he saying? He's saying you still show up, you still do the work, you still uh, look after yourself, you know, you still uh, go for your walks and you eat great food. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, that that little that little example I gave before on body image. Like you don't just like sit on the couch and and be whatever, surrender and like do nothing. No, we still take action. Uh, you have a business. You still show up and do the work, even though it's not doing coming, like the results are not coming. You still take action and do it. You don't sit and wait and surrender and wait for the, the happy ending. Mm. And it's, as Andrew said, it's not giving up, it's giving over. So it's not, yeah. it's not, it is not where you stop and stand still. You still have to walk the path. The path will not unfold unless you walk. Whoa. What was that? The path will not unfold unless you walk. I mean, I made up with that. I made up that. You should, you should write <laughs> that down. That's a quote. That's a quotable. Maybe Yoda said that that's or something. That's a tweet tweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Pro would say. Yeah, that's a tweet tweet. This is, well, now it's not called Twitter. Oh, it's yeah. called X. So I don't know that's if she's... I doubt Oprah's on. Maybe. Maybe she is. Um, so, see, I really... Look, I love when we see the ancient texts translated into, you know, a modern day story. Yes. Like these texts that were written thousands of years ago, the the problems or the ideas and the ways of moving through life just still relate to now so easily. And isn't mm. it wild that like the, as a human, the human experience, although so different and so vast, like total different worlds from now to 5,000 years ago or I think 2,000 years ago. Um, oh, no, that would have been – that was 700 BC, so whenever that was. Um, <laughs> whenever that was. Anyway, um, the the human experience was still very similar to what we were feeling. But, well, this is the thing. This is why history and philosophy are so important. And, you know, we are living in Australia where philosophy is not taught in schools and barely any history is taught either. Uh, maybe today is different to when we were kids. However – the human existence, although the technology changes and how we do things and, yeah, our houses look different, our beds look different, our furniture looks different, we certainly have these weird contraptions that are digital and, like, talk to us. Uh, they didn't have that back then. However, the human uh, experience is very, very similar, like, very, very similar. And when you hear from modern-day philosophers and modern-day historians, they'll talk about this. And they even talk about aspects like, you know, everyone's so shocked about war, but war has been happening since the beginning of humans. Like, this is a part of human life, unfortunately. Like, these things are on repeat. Everything repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats. And this is why we can read these ancient philosophies and learn how to walk our walk with less suffering, less 
dis-ease and more joy and more, I guess, enthusiasm for life as well, you know, to see the magic that is around us. Whereas, you know, these these heaviness and this anxiety and this self-suffering, it darkens everything. It clouds everything and it makes our perspectives completely, uh, I guess, kind of dull. Like it dulls our it tells our life a little bit and these texts are the gateway to kind of opening up that connection to uh, that divine I guess and to love Mm. to see things with more love well that is what it is (laughs) that is what it is the idea that if we surrender we can then unify uh, with ourselves like find more connection to ourselves Mm. and also the world around us we realize that you know we are all one. What's that song? We are one. <laughs> we, we are many. Oh, um, that was like from our primary school, one of those songs. I think it was the Qantas ad. Oh, no, it was. that was a different song, isn't it? That's oh, no, the, that, maybe that is the Qantas song, but we used to sing that at primary school. Isn't it the Qantas song? As one of the community songs in, yeah, at the assemblies. Yeah, we well, would be like, I am you, are we? That's an Australian song. So all of our, um, yeah, all of our... International listeners are going to be like, what is that song? Maybe that, they heard it on a Qantas ad, though. Potentially. <laughs> but um, the quote is more like, I am you, you are me, and we are one. And that was told to us by Josh- Joshua Rosenzo at dinner in New York City when we were running around New York, catching our first Uber, thinking, oh, my God, he is a driver. He just ordered a car. I just love how, like, we were so <laughs> impressed by that. We were like, he has a chauffeur, like... <laughs> On demand. Just, just like, pressed a button. Click of a finger. And then, like, I think it was, like, maybe a year later it came to Melbourne. <laughs> Illegally, mind you. It was illegal here uh, for a while. Yeah. And on the Gold Coast it was illegal for a while. And then we are like, oh, actually it took us even a little while to realise, hey, he was just using Uber. <laughs> we caught an Uber and we didn't even know it. <laughs> it was so cool. Um so, but this is the idea. So Ishvara Pranidana connects us more to ourselves and also to others and the world around us. It reduces suffering. It helps us move through life with more ease. So less resistance, more ease. It helps us trust that the path that is unfolding is exactly the path that we should be walking. And imagine like, you know, we have talked about, Carla and I, I'll backtrack, Carla and I have talked about this so often, this topic. And I mean, like, we have a business, so of course, like, many things don't go the way we plan. And so annoying. <laughs> so annoying. Oh my gosh. Like, why? Why doesn't everything go our way? Ah, we have, why can't we control this? Uh, but, you know, this has been so beneficial for our mental health, our physical health, too. Uh, every aspect of our health and lives and joy and happiness. I tell you what, we've spoken about this topic that often. And it's still, it's required mm-hmm. often, every week, every day sometimes. And I just think if you are not having these conversations and you're feeling like the anxious and the suffering, begin to have these conversations, find an outlet where you can have these conversations. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, so that's a great start. But like to be involved and to share your experience with another and then to hear their experience and then to realize, oh, wait, we're all in this together and we're kind of on a same, same but different journey is very refreshing and it just lets that weight off your shoulders, which is a beautiful feeling when you're feeling very heavy with uh, worries. Mm. 
Absolutely. So glad that you're here on this journey with us and that we can walk this path together. Yes. If not, you know, separately, but similarly. 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 That's a hard word to say. Okay. So I'm going to turn to another translation of the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. There are, I don't know how many translations in the world of this text. There must be thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. I don't even know, but many. So it's really good. It's really good. Good use of words. It's great when you are diving into the yoga philosophy, especially with this text, to look at many, many, many different translations. And this is kind of what we're doing within our training. Like we read, we read one that we absolutely love, which is Secret Power of Yoga. But then we turn to others and we just see the slight differences, but we also see the similarities. And we go, oh yeah, that's the same thing, but just said in a different way. Uh, and as we know, Sometimes we have to hear things in a different way in order for them to sink in and to settle in and to make sense. So looking at the same sutra, 2.45, this is that by Anand Mehrotra. Patanjali says that through the practice of Ishvara Pranidhana, samadhi becomes much more accessible. Samadhi being bliss, enlightenment, complete unity with the divine. Through moving in the direction of unity through Ishvara Pranidhana. So he says that through the practice of surrender, bliss becomes more accessible through moving in the direction of union. So we do this through Ishvara Pranidhana. Of course, through surrender, we gain unity. So he's just saying it, of course. Like, duh, of course we unite in surrender. When you surrender your ego, when you surrender your doubt, When you surrender your complaining, you surrender everything. The value of your surrender is directly proportional to the value of your unity. So what he's saying is like the more we surrender, the more that we value the letting go of, the surrender, the trusting, the the bigger the connection. The unity you experience is directly proportional to the level of surrender you have. The unity you experience is directly proportional to the level of surrender you have. I just, we just said that. We just explained that. And the surrender is the act of the strong and not the weak. Who? So this is a very important part that we have been discussing. It is not giving up. It is not saying, oh, that's it. I've had it. I've had enough. That is not surrender. Surrender is, hmm, okay, here I am in this moment. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then I take a step, another step, and I keep saying yes. And I keep saying I trust. And I keep saying I'm going to keep taking action. I'm going to keep showing up. No matter what the result, I'm going to keep showing up. And like you say that, you describe that, and of course that is strength right? When Mm -hmm. you can say yes and you can take a step in the face of adversity, in the face of hardship. Wow. It says surrender involves one's will, which is what Emma's text, it said the assertion of will. It is not an act of weakness. It is an act of great strength. That is why samadhi, bliss, is the gift of Ishvara Pranidhana. Devotion, deep surrender gives us access to greater perfection in unity. So, this is why we practice this. It's very exciting. How do we practice it? How? How can we practice it? Uh, I mean, it's in our actions, it's in our decisions, it's in our thoughts. Uh, it's, it's, I think for me, like the practice of surrender is reminding myself what the practice of surrender even is first. 
It could be like little mantras you tell yourself, you know, when something doesn't go your way or maybe when things go, as the text said, when things go your way too, I surrender. You yes. know, these words, <laughs> I surrender, yes, I surrender, yes. It's those these little reminders that, you know, you're living in this way because, as I said, it is a practice. It needs to be lived. It needs to be walked and talked about, not just learnt once and then forgotten in the back of your brain to only reappear when you're desperate and you're like, what was that thing that those sisters were talking about that helps you when you're, like, really suffering and down and feeling like nothing's going your way? Oh, surrender. Okay, how do I do it? Oh, I surrender. I say it. I surrender. You give over. You realize that there's an element that you can't control and that just is what it is. There's always going to be that element that is uncontrollable, that we don't have a grasp on it. But what if we realized that? What if we knew that and we actually acted like that was true? Other ways that we can practice surrender are if, you know, you're struggling with this idea and and believing the fact that this is to be true. Uh, Yoga. So when you're practicing your yoga asana and you're in a pose and you just want to get out of it and you're just like, this pigeon pose is the worst stretch for my hips. Like I am in so much pain, so much tension. And I'm talking about the good pain, the good pain, not the bad pain. If you're in bad pain, please get out of the stretch. But I'm talking about the good pain where it's just this intense stretch. Actually, we were in cow face pose yesterday. Mm. Go Mukasana. We're doing the practice of teacher training this week. We were in a Gomu Kasana pose with Garuda arms and we were forward folding, placing our elbows on top of the top thigh, so pressing the knees down even more, increasing the stretch. And then we were like, just surrender, just give over. I let go, I let go, I let go. And the, the, the funny thing is, the amazing thing is when you do this and when you practice this on the mat, the tension does release. Like it, it yeah. dissipates. Uh, it's like this decision, this intention. So when you practice this in a physical pose, watch your watch yourself walk it off the mat if you practice it enough on the mat watch how it ripples out into your life and I mean and this is why yoga is such an amazing practice and even if you just begin with the physical asana (coughs) exercises Chino why are you barking uh you know if you just focus on the asana absolutely it ripples out to every aspect of your life and I mean you could think really? Are you sure, Emma? Like, is that actually what happens? But just think, of course it does. Like, you have one aspect in your life. Perhaps it's uh, you uh, are in the office and you are a manager of a very, very busy office. Like, that will ripple out and touch every aspect of your life. Like, how we do one thing might not mean okay, that's how we do exactly everything else. However, it touches and impacts everything else. Mm. It ripples out. It's like when you decide to go for a walk in the morning and your day is completely different to the day yeah. you didn't go for a walk. It ripples out. Everything, everything connected. It's like a domino effect. Everything impacts something else. So if you were to practice something on the mat and even even if you, it, it felt like very awkward and not natural and you're like, I don't understand, like, what is it, what even is this? You might find that in a future moment that you come back to that idea and you think, huh. Remember when I practiced that in my cow face pose? I wonder if I could practice that right now when I'm trying to control the situation that actually I can't. Absolutely. You'll remember it. And, I mean, it also helps when you have a great teacher reminding you, let go, let go, <laughs> let go of the tension and remember that how you are on the mat ripples out to how you are walking off the mat. Uh, always good reminders. Thanks to our amazing yoga teacher, Carla. Hmm. 
Ah. I'm always in a forever practice of all of the philosophies, forever a beginner, (laughs) forever more to learn, isn't there, when you're practicing this and forever more to learn about the philosophy and yourself. Like this is really what yoga philosophy helps us do is dive deeper into ourselves and get to know ourselves, gain more self-awareness and then show up as the person that we truly are within, you know, our true selves. Shine the light on that allows us to uncover, recover, discover everything that's already there. We just forgot it was there. (laughs) What an amazing practice. I'm so grateful for yoga. Uh, If you are interested in diving deeper into this wonderful world of yoga and if you are enjoying what we're talking about and what we're sharing on this podcast especially because we're finding it, you know, this really great place for us to to kind of have these discussions. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more, check out everything on the page, which is themerrymakersisters.com forward slash. I totally forget actually what the link is. I think it's really long. So we're going to add it in the show notes or you send me an email, emma at themerrymakersisters.com, and I will give you all the information. On our yoga teacher training. On our yoga teacher training. And the next cohort I know begins in October on the 21st. So it's an amazing time to jump on in. And I'm so excited really to run it again because this first cohort has been absolutely life-changing for me. And just to connect with all these amazing women around the world, I feel forever honoured and grateful. And wow, like that's the word I keep saying. Wow, 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 wow. Wow is the word indeed. But we're looking forward uh, to hearing from you if you've got questions about this. If there's a topic you would like us to dive deeper into, let us know. Uh, We'll be touching on lots more yoga philosophy in future episodes. So keep your ear out. If if there is that inkling, if you have that, uh, ooh, this is interesting, then definitely press play on those future episodes. Otherwise, we will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.